I just want to just share with you about the goodness of God. So, basically, what I want to do, I just want to just thank everyone for coming here, for allowing me to preach uh, this morning. I've been thinking about this message for a long time. It's something that's just been on my heart for a long time because I've never known the goodness of God. I've never known how good as God has been good in my life. So, like I said, this message is the goodness of God. And what I want to do is I just want to just read from Romans 2.4. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Romans 2.4 with me. It says here, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing, or another translation says, not realising that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So what I want to do is before I speak about this particular verse, what I basically just want to do, I just want to just give you uh, a bit of a, a context or a background about uh, this verse here. So basically we see in uh, Romans chapter 2, what Paul is doing, he's basically just building a case, he's addressing an issue. As we see here in Romans chapter 2, it says here, Therefore you are excusable, O men, whoever you judge, for whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O men, you, you who judge practice those same things and doing the same thing that you escape? The judgment of God. So basically, we get a bit of an understanding here that we understand that Paul's addressing Jew and Gentile here. So basically, what's basically happening in this thing here is the Jews are basically condemning the Gentiles, saying, you want, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. But Paul's just going to them and saying, but just remember that you're doing the same thing. You know, and that, that's what the Jews were doing. They were just pointing the finger saying, you're doing this. You know, I'm so holy, but you're doing this. And then Paul's like, but hang on a minute. You're guilty as well. You're doing exactly the same thing as they're doing, but they're so blinded. And it says here that what they're doing is they're despising the goodness of God. And also, too, the Bible also says that they're not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. See, they're not understanding, they're not comprehending, and what they're doing is they're just basically just despising the goodness of God and just basically just condemning others, and they think they're in the clear. But Paul's addressing this issue and saying to them, hang on a minute, that's, that's what I call a hypocrite. You say you're doing something, but you're doing it yourself. You say, I'm good. That's what a hypocrite is. Yeah. And Paul's addressing to their hypocriticalness. Of what they're doing. And what begins to happen is not many people know about the goodness of God. It says if they're not knowing. Think about this. Whenever you hear the word God, people get a wrong view. What they do, they they say, oh, God is so harsh. Oh, if I come into church, I've heard, oh, there's my next door neighbour, Dylan. I'm invited him to come to church one time. And he goes, if I come to church, I'm going to burn up. And that, that's, that's the example that, that people have. They're just like, oh, if I come to church, 
God's just going to strike me dead. That God's just going to burn me up. God's just going to, what he's going to do, he's going to basically consume me. But that's not true. God's not going to do that. But we see the world today, the minute I say to people, I'm a Christian, what they basically do, they go, oh, oh you're one of those two good two-shoes. You're, you're one of those people. And I'm like, okay. But this is what the world thinks. You see movies, you see basically TV shows. Oh, there's one show I, I used to watch, or I still do watch it sometimes, guilty me, is uh, The Simpsons. So we all know The Simpsons. We've all seen The Simpsons. And there's one particular family that I'm going to mention. And Jonathan probably knows which family I'm going to mention. Uh, Ned Flanders, Maud Flanders, Rod and Todd. So uh, those that don't know who they are, they're basically these uh, people that go to church, they, they, they do the right things, they, they say the right things, you know, they, they look a certain part, they, they never get into trouble. Um, you have to look a certain way, act a certain way, and when people say, oh, you're a Christian, they go, oh. So you're like, you're like Ned Flanders, are you? So, and I'm just like, oh, no. That, that's, that's not what Christianity is. But what it is, they just basically distort the view of God. And uh, the Simpsons are the worst for distorting the view of God. <laughs> and that's the thing. This is how the world views Christianity. Like the Simpsons, like Ned Flanders. That, you know, you have to be this two little, uh, good little two-shoes. Do the right thing, not say the right thing. If you, if you anger God, God's going to like, oh no, he's going to strike me down. Uh, there's one particular episode I remember. Jonathan probably knows this episode as well. That's where Bart, he gets like a, a radio. <laughs> and basically what he does is he gets onto the radio because the radio frequency can go from one house to another. So he taps in the radio frequency of Rod and Todd's radio. And he pretends to be God. He goes, Rod, Todd, this is God. And he's like, how'd you get on the radio? And vice versa. And he says, get the cookies from the Flanders cabinet and bring them to me. And they go, oh, but they're our parents' cookies. And they're like, and Bart goes, do you want a happy God or a vengeful God? <laughs> and basically what happens is they're like, they go, oh, happy God, happy God. So what they do, they, they run to the thing and then basically the episode moves on. But that's the thing is, we can't have that view of God. We can't have that view where we're like just trembling and being like, oh, God, I can't move. But I had this wrong view myself. I remember one time my brother and I we were both a part of this church. We were both a part of this uh, fellowship that we were, that we were part of. Uh, I was, we were both part of it. And basically, they believe the same thing. It's like, if you do the wrong thing, if you sin, you're backslidden. You know? If you do this, you're backslidden. You know? If you don't go to church every Sunday, you're backslidden. If you've done all this, you're backslidden. And what began to happen is I was in fear. I was in fear. It's like you had to wear a suit or you're backslidden. You had to look a certain part or you're backslidden. And I was so scared, I didn't even know whether I was saved or I was not. Because what they said, if you, or if you don't tithe, God will curse your finances. 
That's right, you're going, yeah, that's right, you're going to hell. That's what they say. They say, if you don't tithe, you're going to hell. And then, and then basically they go on certain things. And I remember one time, I'd be so scared. And I'd be in my room, no, kid you not, in the corner, fearing that God's going to strike me down. Because of what I heard over the pulpit. I never heard the goodness of God. All I heard is God's a judge. God's going to strike you down. If you do things wrong, God's going to strike you down. And I was scared. My brother and I, we were in this for, I was in there for six years. He was in there for 12 years. So we had a mindset of a view of God. And it was not good for us because I was a mess. This is what we can't have. See, I have the wrong perspective. But the thing is, we need to have a right perspective. And the right perspective is what we need of who God is. So that word perspective means the angle or direction in which a person looks at an object or a point of view. So example, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a divorced man. The minute people hear you're divorced, people look and they give a wrong point of view. They don't get, what they do, they have a wrong perspective. They look and they go, oh, you're divorced, your life is over. Or you're divorced, the, the, you, you can't come back from that. But the thing is, they had a wrong perspective. But the thing with me is I had a right perspective because I knew who God was. And the thing is, we need to have a right perspective, not a wrong perspective. And there's a certain verse in the Bible that I want to talk about in Matthew 25. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew 25. You probably know what I want to talk about. But you have the story of the one that had the five, the, the talents. So the one that had the five received five. The one that had two received two. And the one that had one, well, we know the rest of the story. So it says here in verse 24, this is the one that had the one talent. Then he who received one talent said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gather where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid of you and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, here is what is yours. So think about that, right? You had two that had the five one that had the two, they had a right perspective of God. They knew who God was, right? But the thing is, this one that had the one talent, he said, I knew you to be a hard man. I feared you. And what began to happen is, is isn't this the way the world sees it today? Yeah. They see God and they're like, God's a hard man. Or, some, or someone gets sick, they blame God. Someone dies in their family. And they blame God. They're like, oh, and they think God's this person. They get like this COVID-19. I heard someone say, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's God's doing. No, it's not. There's not one verse in the New Covenant where he puts sickness on people. Not one. Not one at all. And that's the thing we need to understand is he's a God that brings healing, not sickness. We didn't have that right perspective. You see, Adam and Eve, they had a wrong perspective of God as well. 
You know the story where they ate of the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil? And what began to happen? They covered themselves with fig leaves, the Bible says. And they hid themselves. The Bible says that God was walking in the cool of the day. Where are you? Where are you? And what happened? He said, where are you? And they said, I'm here. He says, I feed you. So we hid ourselves. And that's the thing. We can't have that wrong perspective of who God is. We've got to have a right perspective of who God is. And you think to yourself, how do I have the right perspective? How? What well, all comes down to this. Your mind. Your mind is the most powerful thing ever. It's like a computer. The Bible speaks about renewing our mind. It says in Romans 12, 1, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that word renew means a renewal or to renovate. Has anyone here ever renovated a house before? I haven't. I haven't. I've, I've seen it done on renovation shows. And what we get, when you basically renovate a house, what you do is you pull down the old stuff, get rid of the old things, and you, what you do, you refurbish it. Something that's old, that's rickety, that's broken down, you pull it down and you just give it a new finish. And that's the thing. It comes with our minds. Because they need to be renovated. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 1 to 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not worldly weapons. They're not a sword. They're not a knife. They're not, they're not worldly weapons. What they are, they're spiritual weapons. This here, this here is the sword of the Spirit. Yes, amen. This here is what we fight the enemy with. Hallelujah. This is where we can do it. It says here, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And that's the thing is, like I said, we'll go back to the renovation. What you do is you begin to pull down old mindsets. You, you see the view of God. You begin to pull those mindsets down. Read the word of God. Begin to hear what God begins to say. And you understand that God is good. And also, too, we create new thoughts. There's a book that I've read by Caroline Leaf. It's called Switch On Your Brain. So I don't know if you've read that book, but I've read it, and it speaks about how uh, your brain is like um, plasticity, like plastic, where it can begin to be molded and shaped in, into basically anything. You know? It's like you have one train of thought here, and our brains can be molded and shaped, create new thought patterns, positive thought patterns and I think it's you keep going and she says as you read this book it shows you how your brain is work people say oh, oh I, I come from uh, a big bang or I come from uh, a little germ or I come from something but the thing is we come from God yes, amen. and also too he's given us where we can create new thoughts because we can yes. no one says we, people say we can't we can and it all comes through here by the word of God, by changing our minds. 
Could you at least give you okay? Well, okay, God, I'm creating your thoughts. Well, okay, God, what are you? We know God is spirit, we know that for sure. But also, too, God is love. The Bible says in John 3 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves us that much. And God is good. That's the thing we've got to understand is that even though things around us are going bad, look at what we live in, look at the world we live in today. But God is still good. He's still on the throne. He's still pouring out his goodness upon our lives. Because his goodness brings change. Or his goodness leads us to repentance. And that Greek word, repentance, is metanoia. So the word meta means change and noia means mind. But understand that God is good. Once you understand that how good he is, your thought patterns begin to change. Things begin to change. In my life, once I begin to, once I heard, I remember, I heard Joseph preach for the first time. And I was always told he's a bad preacher, don't listen to him, or Joel Osteen, they're lukewarm preachers, and I was always scared to watch it. But I listened to Joseph Prince for the first time, and I remember vividly this day, I cried. Because I experienced God's goodness, and he said these words, he goes, once you're saved, you're eternally secure. And that was hard for me to get my head around very hard because I make mistakes I'm not perfect I'm not perfect Jesus came for imperfect people but he never changes and the goodness of God in my life has been so evident so prevalent in my life so I used to work at King's as a bus driver and you know things were a little bit hazy there because I was working there and the ex and my ex was working there as well so I knew I had to get another job so I went to Rabina that day applied online I was like okay see what kind of traineeships they have I didn't know what I wanted to do and I saw a job for a trainee pool technician and I was like okay I might as well apply for it so I got my cover letter did what I wanted to do and stuff like that then what happened is, um, I, I kid you not, I still remember, I sent my resume away. And what began to happen is I think it was, I sent it at like 4 or 5 o'clock, I can't remember what it was that time. And I looked on my email at about 7.30 and I got an email from Adrian saying, would you like to come in for an interview on Thursday? And I was thinking to myself, God is good. You know what I mean? Like, like I just because I'm a 35-year-old man and I'm thinking, who's going to want to hire a trainee? Oh, sorry, who's going to hire someone that's older for a trainee? Because you either want the young guys, the young people. I'm like, okay, so I was actually shocked I got it. Then what happened is I went for the interview, which is good. Got to meet him and Adrian. They've been such a blessing to my life since I've been working there. Yeah, I got on with them really well. And then Adrian's like, okay, I'll give you a call on Tuesday. That was a week, I think, a week after. I said, yep, no problem. So I just waited there. 
I remember it was about six o'clock on Tuesday night, Adrian rang me and said, you've got the job. I was so excited. He probably remembers, I was so excited on the phone, I probably couldn't even talk. That's how excited I was, because I actually got a look in, which was exciting, I loved it, it was amazing. And then I'm like, okay, now I need a house. And I'm like, oh man, what am I gonna do, God? So Thursday, Adrian's like, okay, we want you to start on Monday. Then Wednesday, I'm like, I've got no place. Thursday, I got a phone call. Oh, Matt, you've got a place, just the one you applied for. And think about this, right? What are the chances of my job being right behind where I live? What are the chances of that, you know what I mean? It's like, I can look over my fence and watch the shop's just there. <laughs> That's only by God's goodness. Amen, amen. And it's just something that has blessed me a lot. Because I moved in on Friday and started on Monday. And that was amazing. I was like, oh, Lord, you are so good. So God's been so good in my life. So good in my life. And it's not just me, but Jonathan is also an example of God's goodness in his life. He's got a powerful testimony as well of what God has done and is doing in his life. It's just amazing like what God's doing. And also, too, there's people in the Bible that knew. Paul. Paul knew the goodness of God. Think about this, right? Paul's there. He's actually named Saul before. And he got knocked off his horse because he was persecuting Christians. He thought he was doing the will of God. And then what began to happen is um, he got knocked off his horse. He's like, oh, well, Lord, who are you? I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And Paul knew the goodness of God. That He says, I'm the chief of sinners. And what happened? God's grace. God's goodness was on his life. There's also another character in the Bible. This character is well known. He's also a man of war in the Old Testament. His name is David. A mighty man. A man after God's own heart. So if you have Bibles, could you turn to me to Psalms 26... Says here, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, David knew the goodness of God. See, even though David killed Uriah and slept with Bathsheba, we understand that story in the Old Testament, but you know what? God's goodness was still there. David knew that he was a good God. There's many, many people in the Bible that knew the goodness of God. My question is this morning is this. Do you know that God is good? You do not just know, but do you believe in your heart that God is good? That no matter what you've done in your life, that God's still good. See, under the Old Testament, it was do good, get good, do bad, get bad. In the New Covenant, Covenant of Grace, it's do good, get good. Do bad, you still get good because it's not our goodness, it's His goodness. What He has done in our lives. And I'm living proof 
of the goodness of God and what he has done in my life. The Bible says here, Romans 2. And that God is good. That his goodness leads us to repentance. I just want to just read that verse again. Let me turn to that verse again. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? See, why does Paul say goodness twice? When you say something twice, he wants us to know something that's very, very, very important about the goodness of God. That God is good. And we need to understand that and not just know it, but believe it in our hearts. Yes, amen. So what I want to do is I want to just give out a call this morning. So I just want to have every head bowed, every eye closed in this place this morning. Just no one moving around. And what I want to do is I want to give anyone here an opportunity to know this Saviour, to know Jesus. We see that the Bible says that God sent his son into the world not to condemn, but to save. Jesus has died over 2,000 years ago. He's raised again from the, on, raised from the dead on the third day. And he sits there and he goes, now pierced hands, now pierced feet, crown of thorns. It is finished. He fulfilled every requirement that needed to be done. Jesus Christ, he's the only one that that he was a man who knew no sin but became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And Jesus is here this morning and he's got his hands stretched out and saying, My son, my daughter, come to me. He's got his arms stretched out. Like Peter, he's seeking. He goes, Lord, save me. My question is, do you need saving this morning? Do you know who this Jesus is? All he wants you to do is reach out your hand. His hand's waiting. So if you were here and you don't know Jesus, you don't know this Savior, you don't know this awesome God that we serve, you can know him this morning. Now, I'm not asking you to recite a prayer. I'm not asking you to, 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 to do a formula. The Bible says, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. All that means is change your mind. Say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. That you took my punishment. 
for walking me free. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. See, Jesus is the one that he died to sin once and for all. So when we come to know this Savior, the Bible says that he removes our sin no more. Our sin is beyond existence. And if he's of too far gone. I, I, I can't do it. I, I, I've done too much. That's what Jesus says. So if you were here and you want to know this Jesus, I'm not here to embarrass you at all. But if you want to know this Savior, no one looking around. I just want you to just lift up your hand and say, yes, Jesus, I want you. Yes, Jesus, I want to know who you are. I want to know who this God is. So I know if I was to eventually die one day that I would be spending eternity with him. Amen. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. This morning, Pastor.